Welcome to Working Dog Radio. Broadcasting the bite. This episode of Working Dog Radio is brought to you in part by the best training conference on the planet, Hits K9 Training and Conference, www.hitsk9.net, or call Jeff Barrett, 863-529-5113. We'll see you there. One of our other great sponsors, be sure to check them out, Ray Allen Manufacturing up in Colorado Springs, rayallen.com. Be sure to use the discount code WORKINGDOGRADIO for 10% off. Spell it out, get the discount. Everyone knows Ted and I are huge fans of Dogtra. Uh, we use all their products, lots of stuff. Dogtra.com, use the discount code WDR10 for 10% off a single item over $200. All right, everybody loves drag and drop the easiest way possible. The easiest way to get a kennel up and running is to get them from Horizon Structures. Go to horizonstructures.com or call 1-888-447-4337. Make sure you tell them that Working Dog Radio sent you. There you go. One of our newest sponsors and one of our favorites, Kinetic Dog Food. Kineticdogfood.com or call 512-279-8966. Get your dog on the right track. One of our other fantastic sponsors that are run by the Heiser, some of the best people in the industry. We love those guys. Uh, looking for a reputable canine kennel with dog sales and training services? They're located in sunny New Smyrna, Florida. Southern Coast Canine provides services worldwide from purchasing your next single or dual-purpose working dog to handler courses and seminars. Southern Coast is a great resource, so check them out. And where you can check them out is Southern Coast Canine. That's letter K, number nine, dot com, or give them a call, 877-903-DOGS. That's dogs. All right, we are back, Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. I am Ted Summers in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I'm generally always at. With me, as always, from uh, Ohio, is Eric Stambro. Eric, what's up? Uh, got a handler class going on. Um, I've got uh, a couple dogs in the kennel that I'm working into the mix with the handler class just to get them trained up. But uh, we, the handler class graduated three guys yesterday, Canton uh, I had a dog in there in that group um, and then uh, there's two more left so uh, they just came in at various times so uh, that's it how about you um, I had a handler school end and well I don't know, like a week ago it's nice to get back training dogs instead of people um, even though I love my handlers um, but <laughs> so we're getting quite a bit accomplished Travis and Scott and I are rocking and rolling uh tarpley got a new trailer so tracking has gotten a lot easier we got a six hole trailer <laughs> that we torch light out torch lighted out so that's been uh it's been it's been very very nice to have that instead of fucking moving dogs around and crazy everything else and uh, i have an explosives dog i'm working that i didn't do the imprinting on um and she is a direct reward um the handler wanted indirect i'm like well <laughs> There's a little bit of there's a little bit of a gap here, and so it's been an interesting problem to solve. But um, I've got her fucking rocking on several odors, and I'm mixing in direct and indirect reward to try and weed her out. But uh, it's been an interesting problem. I think I'm gonna post. Um, I've been documenting the process the entire time, and I think we're gonna put that in Patreon, um, and it'll probably be a detailed. Um, video and detailed kind of like I guess protocol I guess the way you would say it now because uh, I kind of got to figure out how this how it works but um, 
for our next project, which uh, we'll be announcing, I don't know, probably towards October or so this year. But yeah, so um, today, um, you know, we've had we have a we've had a lot of guests on. We had the Women's of Canines on, and um, we had Gooseby on. So we've always wanted to do um, a handler from the Secret Service. Um, when we had on the author. Um, she wrote the book Secret Service Dogs, you know, and we asked her, we were like, oh, so what was harder to get into, the Marines or the Secret Service? And she's like, oh, you know, funny story. <laughs> they both were almost impossible. Uh, so it's always been kind of one of those things that uh, has been on the checklist. So we ended up getting in contact with uh, Marshall Mawarki. So, Marshall, uh, how are you? Very good. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great. Um, so you have a pretty interesting, uh, a pretty interesting resume when it comes to, um, law enforcement work. So why don't you, uh, give us the, the rundown on that and we'll kind of head into the canine stuff. Yeah. First, thanks for having me on guys. I'll never, uh, pass up an opportunity to talk about my dog. So, um, yes. I appreciate <laughs> you guys having me on. Um, I did 11 years with secret service, uh, nine of those on our emergency response team for our special operations. And I had Hurricane for four years that we worked together. And then I worked another dog for a year after that. So have it's all bite work, um, apprehension stuff. So I know you guys do a lot of EOD stuff. Um, not as well versed on that side of the house. But, yeah, the, the apprehension thing was, was what me and him did together. So, yeah, appreciate you guys having me on and would love to talk about, you know, we got a lot of good stories, so love to get into them. Hmm. Excellent. So um, you started out in the Secret Service. Um, as, did you start out as a mainline um, agent, or did you go straight into their um, ERT team? So you have to do a year and a half before you can go on to ERT. So I came on uh, right out of college, and I was just a regular officer at the White House. Did that for a little bit. Uh, got into some patrolling, which was fun. I did that for about a year. Uh, you have to do yeah, 18 months before you can try out for ERT. So did a bunch of different things. Went on the campaign trail with McCain and Palin. Did that for a while. You know, just trying to, you know, I had that date marked in my calendar. You know, when do I hit 18 months so I can <laughs> try out for ERT? So pretty much just bounced around and did whatever I could and got as, mo uh, as much experience as I could until then. Uh, then went out for ERT uh, pretty much right at that 18, 18 month mark. And then from there, you still have to do about two years on the team before you can put in for a canine. So they want you to, you know, learn the team, learn how to be in the stack, learn how to be a regular guy before you can jump right. into the canine work. You know, it's a little different with a lot of military units and PDs where the handler isn't necessarily you know, part of the specific unit. He's like, you know, a separate entity that works with the unit and trains with them. So the Secret Service does it a little differently where you have to be, uh, you know, in the unit and on the team for about two years. The date's flexible depending on, you know, what's going on, obviously. But sometimes it's a longer wait and sometimes you can get lucky and get in early. So right. I did that, put in for my time and put in for canine and uh, definitely the best decision I ever made. 
So. so the Secret Service is one of those agencies that, you know, kind of rightfully so. I mean, you guys aren't like, you know, kind of in the shadows or anything, but it, not a lot of people know a lot about it. And there's been guys that we've interviewed on this podcast that have been part of other agencies that nobody's ever fucking heard of. And so with the ERT, which is basically their SWAT unit, correct? That's correct. We have Special Operations has uh, CAT, ERT, and Counter Sniper, and they're the three divisions of the Secret Service Special Operations Division. So uh, what capacity does the um, ERT team serve for um, Secret Service so that we can kind of determine, like, what role the canine plays in that whole process? Yeah, the the CAT team is uh, more assigned to the president, so they just go wherever he goes all the time. Uh, They're, like, his specific SWAT detail. Uh, the sniper team kind of does both. They go wherever the president does and also always holds down the White House. And ERT's primary mission is the White House, Camp David, vice president's residence uh, at the Naval Observatory. We hold down those three 24-7, regardless if the president, vice president's home or not. And then, uh, you know, depending on the mission, some places we'll go, some places we won't. It, you know, it kind of depends if he's going to president goes to a hotel that's not necessarily somewhere we would go versus if he goes to camp david the conventions rnc dnc we we pick up all that stuff it doesn't necessarily have to be the president it's more of if we can fit in our unit you know and i'd say more of an outdoor capacity you know since we have the dogs and you know we those are the kind of things that we focus on so i mean it's every Every situation is different, and we're just we're kind of on call to do whatever. But the primary mission is uh, protecting the White House. So, what's the um, the process look like to um, one get into ERT and then be assigned a canine? Because I assume just like kind of every whether it be law in law enforcement or military or special operations, canine is a pretty coveted position. I mean, that is one of those positions that like everybody wants to fucking do. So, you know, what are those two, what are those two pipelines look like? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, obviously everyone has a different skill set and likes different things. In my opinion, that was the most coveted position in the service. So that was my goal from day one. And it's, when you look at it from the beginning, it's like, man, how do I even get there? There's so many, there's so many processes just starting from the beginning. You know, it takes almost a year just to get hired. So, you know, you have the background check, the polygraph, all, all the interviews. So, you know, that right there is a year in itself. And then you go down to the federal training facility, you have to go through that whole academy. And then when you graduate that, you go to the Secret Services Academy, you have to go through another academy. And then when you hit 18 months or two years, you can start applying for special assignments, whether it's ERT, Counter Sniper, uh, the Explosive Dogs is their own unit. You can apply for that. So you kind of, that first year, you're kind of figuring out what route do I want to take when I get here. And then if you get on ERT, then there's a line of guys who are obviously waiting for the dogs because everyone, you know, Everyone knows that's the best spot that there is. So, you know, everyone wants the dogs. Everyone wants to have their own partner. So then that's once you make ERT, uh, which that in itself is incredibly hard. They only do one or two classes a year. So 
some classes nobody makes it. Um, some classes you get two or three guys through. So you can go a whole year and nobody actually make the team, which is crazy hard, but they they don't lower the standards no matter what. So, uh, you know, they kind of they kind of ask the guys on the team because you're working 12 hours a day, sometimes seven days a week, depending on if it's an election year or what's going on. Um, it's very, very tough to just get into that. But, of course, the day you finish that, you're like, well, what's next? Okay, now I want to get in line to get one of the canines. So um, I was fortunate enough they were able to bring six dogs back, which is which is a lot. Sometimes they, they bring back less. So we were able to take six guys in a class, and I, I think I was fifth, and they were expecting four, and we got six. So I got in right at the – at the cutoff that I that I wanted to get in on, so um, yeah, I, I got lucky. Some guys wait years and years and years, especially if you know you can't tell when a dog's going to retire, how long they're going to work. So playing with the numbers is obviously a, a very hard game. But once you once you get into that, the canine class can be eight weeks, and it can go as long as it has to go, depending depending on the dog. So. You know, you can you can wait your time, and you can you know, you guys know you get a dog, it just doesn't work out. If, if that doesn't work out, you could be you're out another year, maybe two years, until you know it, it works out again. It's not always the handler; it's the 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 amount of tests that they put the dogs through. I mean, it's some of it's luck, some of it's training, some of it's you know, right place, right time. So it's kind of everyone's career path is very very different. So I could tell, it sounds like, listening to you talk, you, is that Eastern PA I hear in your voice? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Philadelphia, <laughs> Philadelphia, Jersey Shore. You sound so. like our buddies that run fucking Blue Line, <laughs> <laughs> that run the Blue yeah. Line conference. Yeah. 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 I usually so, only get a few talk minutes about... until somebody asks that question. So, yeah. It's, uh, Philadelphia, yeah. Jersey Shore. Talk... So. talk about, like, uh, growing up there, did you have law enforcement influences Anything like that? So no, I had, I had none of that. Um, I wanted to be a professional baseball player, so <laughs> went went to college. Uh, left-handed pitcher, so had to take that route. Always thought I'd go into the military right out of high school, but uh, high school went very well with baseball. So I thought you got it. You have to see this through, you know. So especially being a left-handed pitcher, I'm like, all right, I'm very very select um you know group of people so i went to kutztown we went to two college world series there a bunch of my friends got drafted i did not <laughs> so it's like yeah. all right well what do you do what do you do now like what's what's next so i i went into college or finished my senior year 510 throwing 83 to 86 miles an hour i'm like well if i just grow another two three inches throw a little bit harder I'll be good to go. <laughs> Just throw harder. It's that easy. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Graduated still college. Harder. Still, yeah, still throwing 83, 86, and 510. So that didn't didn't go as exactly as I uh, planned it to go. So I did um I did my internship at Atlanta County Prosecutor's Office because most athletes take criminal justice. Just the way. Yeah. <laughs> just the way it is. Mm-hmm. So I was like, do I go the legal route or do I go the police route? So I, I did my internship in Atlantic City, and I went out on uh, patrol with one of the guys for 
one day and I, I was hooked. So I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I thought about working there and, you know, a lot of those guys said, Hey man, you should look into going federal. So I basically applied to every federal agency that I could. And I just got secret service first and I took that and the rest is history. You sound like me, man. Every, my entire time as a city street cop, people would be like, yeah, I want to get in the police. I'm like, get your degree and go federal. <laughs> you, yeah. You know, every that time I'm like, hey, you have when the I was entire, there, so. right. You have the entire country and parts of the world to, to choose from. If you, you know, want to kind of expand your horizons. And I said, all secret service or all fed guys do pretty well. They, I mean, they make for police work, they make pretty good money. And, um, everybody, everybody says the same thing. Well, you know, I wouldn't be getting into it for the money. I'm like, yeah, eventually your creditors will, you, it will be a thing. I'm telling you, you won't it's have to ask, a job. you won't have to ask for donations to get a fucking leash. That's for sure. So, yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. So when you, when you come out of college, um, and in, in your time as an athlete, and this is something we actually never really talk about, uh, on these podcasts with, with guests is, um, talk about the advantages that you had when it comes to getting in the secret service, getting ERT in the canine based on your physical fitness that you kept up through college. I mean, that's, that's such a, a huge part of it. Um, especially being an athlete, you know, going through NCAA and all that stuff. I mean, you, you think about any federal agency and what are the qualifications to get in, whether it's, it's usually, uh, military or college. So, you know, that's whichever background you come from. And, you know, everybody knows it's always, you know, have you done any drugs or what drug did you done and, and all that. So most just, you know, most college athletes haven't go through NCAA all those years getting drugs. You know, it's, it's very common that most people have, you know, never done a drug because they've always been a sports guy. So that field is always, you know, in my opinion, one that the, the federal agencies look for because you know you have you have that and you have the physical fitness. So you don't at that point you don't know how well somebody can shoot. You know you don't know all the specifics about them, but you know they're you know obviously lived in an athletic lifestyle their whole life, and you know their physical fitness is is top notch. And you know not always, but usually that transfers over into shooting and other things just because you've you've worked the skills so hard where, you know, just say baseball, you know, say pitching, you know, I spend hours a day on whether my foot lands at a 45 degree angle or a 50 degree angle, or, you know, the ball just misses by, you know, of a quarter of an inch inside the strike zone, outside the strike zone. So you, you have those reps in your head, your whole life of training to, you know, do like a microsecond or, you know, a quarter of an inch that transfers over into shooting and, and everything else and same thing worth that you know work ethic your average college athlete spends 90 percent of his day trying to hone in his skill so it just i think it transfers over very well so you know just going into interviews you you say that in the beginning i just i feel like it made the interview that much better right out of the gate where somebody's you know or they might say if you came from a different background well Hey, are you prepared to do this? And are you prepared to put in 90 hours a week to do this? And it's like, well, I've been doing that my whole life. So sure. It's just going to be one thing replaced with another. So 
I definitely feel like that gave me uh, a very big advantage. So speaking of growing up out there, um, were you like a big gun guy? We talked to a lot of guys that are canine handlers, mainly on the military special operations side. Um, a lot of them were like brought up shooting and hunting and everything else. We talked to some guys that were like, I didn't shoot till I got in the military. And that's why I went to dogs because I had to find something else that I was better at than everyone else. So like, were you a gun guy growing up or just like, you're like, oh, it's part of the job so I can learn how to do it. No, I didn't shoot a gun for the first time until the first day of the academy. And I didn't handle a dog until my first day of canine training. Didn't even have a pet dog growing up. So, you know, it's I was always honest about it. You know, some guys, you show up to Secret Service training, you got you know a bunch of guys, depending on where they are in the country, because nobody's from the same place. So right. my original class had 24 people, and they were 24 people from 24 different states in different areas. So, you know, you have the guy who shows up and he's like, oh, I've been doing three gun and shooting bows since I was eight years old. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I guess I have my work cut out for me. So, you know, you, <laughs> you show up and it's, it's just such a variety uh, of backgrounds, but yeah, I didn't shoot a gun for the first time until I was 22 at the secret service Academy. And same thing with canine. I didn't hold a dog on a leash until my first day of canine training. So just kind of crazy to be, you know, some guys are going through canine training with you and they're on their third dog and they had a bunch of dogs growing up that they trained or they were hunting dogs or, you know, these guys have a lifetime ex of experience. And I'm like, wait, where do I, where do I hook up the <laughs> harness here? Cause I, I think I have it on backwards. <laughs> so right. it's, yeah, it's just a, a, a variety of backgrounds, but you know, after you go through so many different schools, you you kind of learn. And the guys in the military say the same thing. If you're if you're trainable, you can learn anything. You know, no different oh, yeah. than shooting. If you if you learn the fundamentals of marksmanship, it doesn't matter if you're shooting a pistol or a rifle. You if you can learn how to shoot, you know, a gun and follow those principles, you can you can be taught to shoot any gun. So right. I think that applies you know for almost everything well one of our other partners at hrd um ray he's a marine and one of our other instructors is one of his buddies that's also a marine <laughs> and they're always like if we can teach those idiots to fucking shoot we can teach anybody to shoot and i'm like well i mean I, that's valid i mean <laughs> they're like they give every marine a gun they give every every infantryman a gun. It's not that big of a deal. I'm like, well, okay. I mean, so yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get some yeah. fucking hate mail on that one. Which, oh yeah. <laughs> well, sure. that that's how I felt with canine too. I mean, I was like, I definitely want to do this, but I'm like, I think I'm the only guy in the world who grew up without a dog or didn't have a pet. And I'm like, do I want to do this? And you know, when they when they called me in, I told them I wanted to do that. Like, you know, if you can, you know. It's no different than baseball. It's no different than doing SWAT stuff. It's no different. If you, if you know how to embrace a skill, put the time in and learn it, to me, it, it's all the same. You know, it's, it's how much did I have to put in more time than the other guys? Of, of course. But, you know, it just depends how bad you want it and how, how hard you're willing to work. So. I have a uh, really good friend here locally that um, works for one of the three-letter agencies and um, is also a very talented shooting instructor. And he's like, you know why, you know, people that have never shot before are the ones that are the easiest to teach. And I'm like, I, because they don't have bad habits. He's like, exactly. He was like, and why women are even better. He was like, because boys grow up, you know, playing whatever, you know, cops and robbers, whatever. 
and I don't, I'm not sure what that's 2020. I'm not sure what I can say anymore, but, um, you know, playing those type of things. And he was like, and evidently everything. And every time they use a handgun, it's always, there's always a recoil. And he was like, you're just conditioned oh, to yeah. think that that <laughs> is the case. Right. And I'm like, Oh shit, that makes a ton of sense. He was like, dude, I can t-, he told me, he was like, I can take a woman and give her a firearm that isn't, she's never held one before in her life. And in five days I can have her drilling groupings at 25 yards because she has no idea what the fuck she's doing. So, and he was like, so if you only learn how good things happen, that's great. And so it happens the same way in canine. Eric and I have multiple stories about handlers that show up and they think they know something. And you're like, bro, I know that you train gun dogs, but that does not, these are not fucking gun dogs. I can promise you that. And I've had handlers tell me that are fantastic hunting trainers in their own right. They're like, I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> I have no idea how to get this dog to do this or how to do that. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's, yep, you're here to learn to be a handler, though. So it, it's a skill set, and you're 100% right. I mean, that's why, you know, when we talked about it a little bit with Gooseby, the episode before this, and then when we did Jay Nick's way back, you know, how they do handler selection for um, Marion County Sheriff's Office and then LAPD. And being teachable is an extremely valuable skill. And I think that's one thing that Eric tells people, too. If you want to get into canine, you want to be in law enforcement be teachable because <laughs> you're going to, you're going to have to deal with somebody that's going to have to teach you because you got to learn somehow. So. Yeah. It's so funny that you guys said that because I've every school I've been into, whether it's a shooting school or a canine school, they all say the same thing. They're like, if you have no experience, you have no bad habits. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. that always happens. Even my first week at the service, the one firearms instructor who was given the brief and asked, you know, how much experience everyone has. And of course I'm like, yeah, I've never shot a gun before. The guy's like, I'm going to work with you because you're going to be top shot. And I'm like, well, how is that possible? And he's like, because this guy over here who's been shooting for 15 years on his dad's range has terrible habits. And it'll take me months to break those where if you do exactly what I say for this week, I'll have you shoot because, you know, I don't have to go back and break all those habits. I can just mold you exactly how I want to from the start. So. It's funny you guys said that because I see that whether it's shooting, canine, anything else, it's like that. that is true. And, you know, you think about just what you do in life every day. If you start something new and you start it right, it comes quick. But if you have a bunch of bad habits with something, you have to break those habits and then learn new habits. Now you're you're already behind the curve. So and then you, you know, same thing when you apply pressure, time, you revert back to those habits. So, you know, you have a guy who's shooting. And he has a certain way he shoots, and they're like, well, this is – and that's the thing you learn with all the different agencies and police departments. You you can't say, oh, I learned this from here, and this is how we do it. That's the quickest way to get booted. So you have to do yeah. it their way. So now, you know, if you have two weeks and there's a test, you know, on Friday, if you're starting from scratch, you do exactly what they say, and that's how it works out on your test where – the person who's trying to learn something new, they can do it all the way up till then. But now you have the test, you have time, you have all these other variables. What are you going to revert to what you've done the last 10, 15 years or what you learned last week? So, and then it ends up, it actually ends up hurting people. So I've been very fortunate that that has actually been true. And I, every time they say it, I never believe it. You know, they're like, you're going to outshoot this guy here. And I'm like, I don't think I am. And they're like, just trust me. So I actually think oh, yeah. that that helped me a lot. Yeah, the Ted Ted's right. The kids that grew up um, playing, you know, cops and robbers or whatever, uh, f- they uh, throw bullets with their gun. 
Yep. And then <laughs> the easiest way to <laughs> the easiest way to see what habits they have is when we start rifle. That chicken wing elbow comes up, <laughs> you know, that they've been shooting on the farm. And then when you put them prone, they, they kick that knee out and kind of roll off to the side. And yep. um, I've watched so many people get it's hit funny with to wooden watch. dowels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've watched so many people get hit with wooden dowels doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So the first time you have ever touched a dog, basically, or at least with a leash, is when you get into the program. At any point early on, would you did you say, boy, these dogs sure poop and pee a lot. Like, I didn't <laughs> think it was going to be this much. Well, so, you know, funny story. You only know what you, you see from other people or see on TV. It's no different than watching an action movie. You know, you only see all the cool stuff, but you don't see the, the actual main character filling out paperwork most of the week. You know, you just see <laughs> what he gets to do in the fun time. So my same thing with canine, I show up my first day and I'm like, oh, this is great. Where's the bite suit? Where's the stuff? You know, I'm going to do all this great stuff. And they're like, hey, guys, welcome to canine. You know, go pick up poop in the yard. And it's like, oh, thought we were going to, you know, do all this stuff. And then you're done that. And it's like, hey, clean the kennels because you're, you know, you're back to a student again. So, you know, we do all that stuff. Now it's two hours into the first day. And I'm like, all right, you know, where's my dog? <laughs> Who am I pairing up with? Give me my gear, whatever. And they're like, I'm ready hey, to fuck to shit classroom. up. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hey, we're, you know, let's do all the stuff that I've always seen, you know, uh, whether it's on TV or whether I saw it at the Secret Service because I, the reason I actually wanted to join Canine, we had we had a fence jumper my first year, uh, so this would be my first year on ERT in 2009. So guy jumps over the fence, uh, north grounds of the White House. You know, he jumps in a, a separate sector of mine, and by the time I run up, uh, one of the other operators has his dog out, has the guy stopped. He stops for the dog. You know, I come up from the side and. Uh, I know there's a million ways to, to handcuff someone. I went with the figure four because, you know, just how he ended up proning out. And I'm I'm handcuffing this guy, and I'm looking up, and uh, one of my partners from the other team, you know, he's got the dog there, and he's got the leash, you know, hooked onto his waist, and the dog's going nuts. And, you know, he's like a foot from my head. And I'm like, man, I am on the wrong side of the stack. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I want to – yeah. I'm like – I really so trust surreal. this handler right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like that. That is way cooler than what I'm doing right now. So, you know, it's very surreal. At this point, I've been at the White House for three years and been on ERT for for like a year. So, you don't really think about it going to work. You know, I was there every day for 11 years. You don't you don't really think about where you're at. You know, just like anything else, you become numb to it. So. You know, as I'm cuffing this guy, like, you know, right in front of the front door almost, it's like I'm looking up and I see the White House is in the background. My buddy's got his dog who's, you know, just going nuts. And I'm like, man, that is awesome. So that's when, you know, because I never thought about going canine, you know, like I said, because I didn't have a dog. So I saw him and that's when I knew. I was like, all right, my job is cool. His job is way cooler. I need to be that guy. So... That's when I put in for the the very next class, and that's when I knew, you know, that's just having that security that if this breaks bad, this dog is, you know, going to protect me. It's, um, 
it's it, you know it's a really it's a really good feeling to have especially you know people are on on drugs or there's you know if somebody's already come over the fence you already know it's it's a bad day this isn't a cooperative person obviously so you know having that dog there to know that this dog is going to protect this team if he has to it's it's a great feeling that's that's when i knew that that was what i wanted to do that's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a break. Uh, when we come back from commercial break, we are going to um, talk to Marshall about meeting his uh, dog, and we've got some pretty cool stories, and then we're going to talk about an, a wonderful foundation that he's got um, to help uh, retired LEO dogs. We'll be right back. And Ray Allen Canine Manufacturing. It's no secret that we love Ray Allen Canine Equipment. We use their products every single day. Their mission statement says it all to be a world leader in quality and innovation of professional canine equipment for police, military, Schutzen and ring sport to exceed our customers' expectations and delivery on time, every time, at a fair price. We full-heartedly believe they've held true to that since it is our go-to one-stop shop for everything dog. One of the longtime sponsors of Working Dog Radio from the beginning has been Highland Canine in North Carolina. Tactical Police Canine, a.k.a. Highland Canine in North Carolina, offers training, seminars, and consulting globally for police, military, and non-government agencies. They provide customized training programs to address specific problems and meet the needs of your organization. Check out their wide array of handler courses, instructor courses, supervisor courses, and online courses at Tactical Police canine training.com uh jason and aaron perguson are two of our most favorite people and they have been with us since the beginning so hit them up we get it fueling a working dog can be tough but they need that high quality food to give them the energy and nutrients that they require for the work we ask them to do kinetic dog food has a great balance of healthy meats and grains and is made specifically for working and sporting dogs they have a full line of foods and supplements available and they've been working to perfect their line with thousands of dogs in hundreds of departments across the U.S. And you can buy it locally, online, or at Tractor Supply. Okay. Another one of our favorite partnerships is with the one and only Dogtra. These guys are producing some amazing tools in the dog training world. Everything from e-collars, GPS tracking, ball training, bark collars. If it's electronic, Dogtra is the best. They are truly revolutionizing the way you communicate with your dog. Plus, they give us a great discount code. Go to dogtra.com. Everybody hears me say all the time, you can't teach dogs to bite people and act shocked when they do. Inevitably, I get bit. You've all heard me talk about how I get tagged and being tagged by a dog sucks. So I've used Quick Term <laughs> to help myself, uh, but before... I had to go to the doctor's office. Uh, it, it definitely helped keep down infection and everything else. And I've had some uh, non-scarring because of it, too. So it's pretty good. But it's no exaggeration. The stuff is great. Once daily treatment for any skin condition on small wounds to help stop little issues from becoming big ones that your admins are sure to love. It comes in a spray. It comes in an ointment. It comes in a dressing. Quick Derm is great at creating protective barrier and promoting wound healing. There's no reason not to have a bottle of this in the patrol car or your kennel or your first aid cabinet. Plus, it's... it's uh, temperature stable so you can keep it in the patrol car when it's cold when it's hot whenever and it'll still be good make sure you hit them up at vetcare.us and use the discount code 10wdr for a discount on your first 
purchase, which is going to be 10%. Have you ever dreamed of having your own kennel but don't know where to start? Horizon Structures has taken all of the guesswork out of building a kennel. Everything is pre-built to your specifications and preferences and then assembled and dropped off at your land. Boom, new kennels. And these things are amazing. You've got to see them to truly believe them. Their website, horizonstructures.com, is a one-stop shop. Build your best kennel, your favorite things you want. Check it out, horizonstructures.com. All right, everybody, we are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. Uh, Ted and I um, in separate locations, as usual. Uh, with us again is Marshall Meraki. He is a former um, Secret Service dog handler. Um, we've talked, uh, a lot of stuff, so stuff about, um, you know, his background growing up, what got him into the dogs, the tryout process and things like that. So now, uh, Marshall, we're going to get into, so the early days you, you get into canine, you're cleaning shit, scrub, well, cleaning out the training <laughs> rooms and doing all the, the grunt work. Tell us about um, the, your first dog in the introduction, like the first day you get him, and kind of how that whole growing process worked with you guys. I've never had a dog before. I've never walked a dog on a leash. You know, I didn't know anything. So after we go into our several, several sessions of legal and canine psychology and probably the hardest test I've ever taken in my life, uh, which we can come back to later, but they really put you through the ringer before you can actually handle a dog. So that was, like I said, I thought I was showing up my first day and working with a dog and it is not like that at all. There's so much stuff, whether it's canine psychology, use of force, legal, that you have to do before you even start with the dog. So when we finally uh, get to the point, we had six guys in our class and there were six dogs in the kennel. So, you know, everyone's gaming it. Everyone's waiting for that moment when it's like, you know, they kind of give you the brief, hey, for the next couple of days, you guys are all going to rotate around with dogs. And we, you know, the, I don't know what the, I know they have a method to their madness. They're so, our trainers are so unbelievable with pairing uh, a handler with a dog. You know, say, like I said, the guy who's been on his third dog or been working with dogs his whole life versus me who's never actually even walked a dog before so i don't know if they have predetermined things that they have in their head i'm sure they do but they kind of let us go out and just spend a couple hours with each dog whether it's a walk playing in the yard doing whatever so you know i'm i'm gaming this from the beginning just like everyone else because like this is going to be my partner for the next five to ten years this is a huge this is like getting married this is a huge decision you know a lot of military and pds you know the dogs aren't always with them or they rotate handlers or they rotate on deployments with secret service that dog is with you 24 hours seven days a week until he retires so you know it's a it's a very big commitment so it's like want to make sure i pick the right one so i walk in the kennels and uh we only had at this time you know the typical uh, Malinois or Shepherds, you know, the tan, golden brown. And I walk down the line, they get to the end, there's an all-black one. At this point, we've never had an all-black one on ERT. So, one, to me, they all look the same. So, I'm like, well, if I have the all-black one, I'll know which dog is mine. And two, I'm like, 
man, I want the do- mm-hmm. I want to be like the only guy who has this all black dog because I at this point I've never seen uh, an all black Malinois before. So I get he's the last one in there. I get all the way to the end, and you know, typical guys are all fighting over like the big hundred pound shepherd that's first, and I'm like. I'm walking down the line to figure out. And at this point, Hurricane was, I think he was 67 pounds. He was definitely the smallest dog there. But I saw the all-black coat, and I was like, this is this is perfect. And I got to the end. I brought him out. You know, it's typical day one of canine school. You know, walk through the yard, do you know, go through the whole routine, see if the dog can go over the jumps. And, they don't tell you the dog's background, the dog's age. I think the, you know, the instructors are waiting to, to feel you out and see how you are with the dog. So you do this for several days and you, you keep switching off. Well, I knew that that was the dog I wanted. So I walk him around the yard for an hour and they, you know, they go, everyone switch. And I'm like, oh man, I don't want to switch. I'm like, all right, I'm going to switch him to somebody who's close to me. So I switch him over, and I'm sure the instructors saw this the whole time, but in my head, I'm, like, being super sneaky. So you go, you do your two hours or an hour, and then you switch, and I'd come back, and I'd be like, hey, man, they told us to switch again. He's like, you know, the guy who had Hurricane be like, oh, really? I didn't hear that. And I'm like, oh, no, they said switch. <laughs> so I'm like, I didn't knew that that was, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like when you meet somebody and you have, like, the perfect first date. So I'm like, this is the dog that I want, and at the time, Hurricane listened to everything I said. And we're given our commands in German. And, you know, most of these dogs, have, they're completely green. So no training. So I thought every dog was a green dog. So I'm going through the yard, and I'm just doing little stuff with him. He's doing everything. And I'm like, man, I am really good at this. <laughs> I've never, never had a dog before, and I'm already <laughs> training them to, you know, go through jumps, and I'm doing all this stuff. So every time they said switch, I would switch. And then I would go right back and I'd be like, hey, man, they, they said switch again. He's like, oh, no, I didn't hear that. I'm like, no, they did switch. So I was just trying to let them see me with that dog the whole time. So after a couple of days, they pair up the dogs and they're like, all right, this is who you're with based on the dog's personality and your personality. So, of course, I get paired with Hurricane. And we go through the whole first week of training. And, you know, we're doing typical stuff in the yard, you know, healing, obedience, everything I do with him, he does on the first try. And I'm like, man, I can't believe I was so worried about this. This is so easy. So all the other guys are like, you know, the dog, the dog, dog. Yeah. It's like typical first day of canine training stuff. One guy's, you know, this is easy. Like, you know, nipping at him. The other guy's yeah. like, he ripped his cargo pocket off his pants. Another yes. dog, you know, taking off. He's like a mile away running through the woods. Which, you know, we're trying to like bring him back. So it's all your typical first week canine stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with these guys, but this is not that hard. I'm like, this, I got it down already, I think. So after the first week, they were like, hey, you know Hurricane is titled, right? And I was like, what does titled mean? <laughs> and they're like, he's oh, already KMB. He's not green. Yeah, he's already <laughs> KMB. From, and I was like, oh, and they, you know, you know how your typical canine instructor is. They're like, how stupid do you feel right now? And they're like, did you really think you did all that? <laughs> I was like, I, I, yeah, I honestly did. <laughs> so they're like, these guys,
guys have been handlers for 15 years and their dogs are running all over on the first day and your dog is healing at your side and you thought you did that? And I was like, I, I actually did think I did that. And you're like, so dude, they were I'm, like, no, fucking, I'm yeah. fucking dog whisperer. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, of course I, I did. Exactly. I was like, man, I can't believe I was so worried about this. This is like the easiest thing I've ever done. So, I mean, every, anything I told him to do, he did. So they're like, no, your dog is already titled from overseas. He's the only non-green dog. And we paired him with you, even though we saw you switching out every hour, like you were trying to do something sneaky. We knew he was going to be with you from the beginning because you're the only guy in the class who's never been around a dog before. And that's why we paired you with the title dog. And I was like, all right, well, this is awkward. (laughs) (laughs) No, we know. For the handlers listening, we know. Like when I'm watching new handlers with new dogs, you're echoing the same shit that Eric and I laugh about all the time. And like dudes, uh, and like especially with tracking. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> I was like, I can tell. <laughs> and they're like, man, this is great. Cause when we turn over dogs, they're more, mostly done, right? And they're like, oh, this is easy. I'm like, yeah, well, this motherfucker tore me up or did this or did that. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yes. so that, that's how my first week went. I, I thought I was, like, the next best thing to be a canine here. I'm like, if I can do this in a week, I can't imagine how good I could be, you know, with more time. And like, your dog's already trained. And, you know, definitely you, I've been hearing about that, you know, for, for the last eight years. So I still it still doesn't end. <laughs> Going through – so a lot of title dogs, man, are um... – can be pretty hard i mean there's there's a thing that uh when you get a title dog like in the kmpv club that they're about one hard correction from eating your lunch did you guys have any growing pains like that at all never i mean that's asking a guy about his dog is you know asking you know father or mother about how good their kid is on the on the baseball team you know every everyone you talk to their kid's the best you know he's the best guy on the team you know if you ask Every Secret Service canine handler about the dog, you know, we all think we have the best dog. So you, you guys know how that goes. But um, he was just amazing. I mean, we've trained with, you know, all the military special operations units, all the, you know, all the different units in, in the states. We, being Secret Service, we're very fortunate that we can, you know, travel around or get on a plane or go somewhere and, and do a lot of training. You know, a lot of local PDs, you know, you have budgets and, a lot of different things. Not that the Secret Service doesn't have a budget, but we were super fortunate that between money and the connections that our trainers had, that we were able to just train with so many different units. So I, I've got to see so many different facets, where whether it's government, military, uh, police. I personally have not seen a dog that has been able to to do what what Hurricane can do, and that's. You know, you have all different dogs. You have some dogs that can't turn it off, and they're the best working dog ever, but that's that's all they can do, and you have to keep them, you know, almost locked up all the time because they're just, they're all business all the time, where this this was a dog that you could, you could make anything up and say, hey, I'm going to take today, and I'm going to train you to do this. And by the end of the day, you could you could get him to do that, what, whatever it would be. And, you know, with working dogs, they talk about that, that switch where can they go from work to home, you know, the two different lifestyles, you know, a lot of dogs are unbelievable working dogs, but that's, they can't turn that off where he would, 
he was just able to separate work versus play versus home life. And that's, you know, that's something that, you, you know, you guys know, you, you can't train that. So he was just, you know, even when a dog is in, you know, he's been on the bike for whatever, 30, 60 seconds. Hurricane would still be clear-minded that I can just recall him and he could do that. You know, it's where another dog is now, you know, not in the black, but just in that zone, in a, you know, at a different level. He just, he was able to do whatever I needed him to do. And I went through my whole canine career, whatever we were working on that day, he would just pick it up on the first rep, if not the second rep. And you guys know from going through canine school, being in the bite suit and training someone else's dog is much worse than doing your dog. So like, you know, you have, you partner up with somebody. Well, I had a dog that was already certified so, you know, I would go do a one rep, Hurricane would get it, and it was like, all right, your turn, now flip-flop, and you're in the bike suit, and you're training your buddy's dog, who's brand-new green dog, you know, I'm in there all day. And I'm like, hey, you know, let's, <laughs> can we switch out, you know, can we get, it's almost like worse. It's like, hey, I think uh, I think Hurricane needs another rep, and they're like, no, he's he's already got it, we need to work on this guy's dog, and yeah, those days were, especially, you know, when it's hot and being in the bike suit all day. I mean, that is SWAT school for ERT was the most taxing thing I've ever had to go through. But being in a bike suit all day, is, it's kind of like different taxing. It's not, you know, push-ups and pull-ups and you're facing the dirt all day. But it's just being in that bike suit getting bit all day long. I mean, you guys know it. That wears you out. It wears you out quick. When you get finished with school, um, like what's the process look like for finishing school? Like you guys, I'm sure have some sort of certification you guys do. Um, and then what's the process out about like, if you guys working down line and then heading back out with the team. So once, once you finish canine school, you know, you just, you know, the, the famous line is the needs of the service. So you go wherever you need to be. So the, the white house is always, your home base, your 24-7 assignment. So even though you fall under special operations and uh, you don't fall under the White House chain of command, you still work there, you know, every day. And then, you know, this is when the overtime and, you know, everything gets crazy because if, you know, just look at now, if you have multiple candidates in different parts of the country, you still have to send teams out with them, but you still have to hold down the fort. That's when it, you know, it gets, gets very taxing. You know, you have a group of guys at the RNC, a group of guys getting ready at the DNC or vice versa, and you have a group of guys at the White House. And then if, you know, the president's going to Camp David the next week, you have guys surveying, you know, that site. So you're, you're kind of all over with that. But your, your main home base is, is always the White House. So uh, the fence jumper you were referring to, uh, so it's no secret that right before that, the Secret Service was in, you know, a little bit of hot water from some uh, some things that made, you know, the news prior to that. And my experience in the last 20 years watching politics and everything else, is, you know, each federal agency kind of goes through a turn of, you know, bad press or, you know, whatever happens. But at that point, um, you know, Secret Service had some things that happened and we were the highlight of the news at that point and 
uh, about two weeks prior, somebody jumped the fence and they got in the front door, which, you know, I don't want to get too much into what happened there, but, you know, after that, it was kind of, hey, this is, this is it. You know, you guys, everybody needs to, you know, do what, whatever is needed. We can't, we can't have any more issues and, you know, I don't want to get into how the issues happen or who's where the blame falls, but it was, you know, we were, the whole nation was looking at us as a, as a team and a, and an agency. So of course, as, as Murphy would have it, you know, two weeks later, got guy comes over, jumps over the fence, takes the same path. And, you know, if you train with dogs, you, you know, but if you don't, there's a million things that can happen, whether it's the leash, the harness, your rifle, the gear. So, you know, he, he jumped, uh, fence jumper jumped in a separate sector and the team deployed and the guy's, uh, 30 foot lead got caught up. And, you know, there was, there was a moment where there was a pause and this is where all the training comes into play and you have to know your dog because, you know, depending on your dog, you, you know, the capabilities of your dog. So, you know, the dog can either do something or it can't. And that depends on the dog. So by this point, another entire team had uh, moved in on the subject. So there was, you know, it's different than it happens in training. Of course, you can do a thousand scenarios and the one you have that happens real time is nothing like the thousand you just trained for. So it was pitch black. You know, of course, on ERT, we wear all black. And there were several guys in between uh, the subject and me and Hurricane now because of how the situation, you know, how everything was dictated about how everyone was moving. And I've just, I've done so many scenarios with him where he, he knows, you know, he, I've seen bite dogs just, they run up and burp, bite the first guy. Oh, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we all know that. <laughs> so depending on your dog, you have to know that. And working at the White House, we all know every news camera leaves their camera running 24 hours a day. So I know whatever happens now is going to make national news, whether it's good or bad. But <laughs> um, he saw the individual kick the other dog. You know, you look at their ears just like their sights on a gun. And he saw that. And that's when I knew that he would know where to go. Because, you know, it's you can't speak to a dog and say, Hey, these four guys on the way there are our guys, and the fifth guy is the guy I want you to bite. You know, you can't you can't do that. So you just have to know your dog. And I I knew he saw the kick, and the second I saw that, I knew he was good. So I sent him, and he went, you know, through the pitch black, and he weaved in, was skimmed every guy's leg that ran by him, uh, that was in front, in between me and the fence jumper, and. He originally took the guy down, and then from there it turned out into you know, a full-blown, full-blown fight. The for whatever reason, the guy wasn't feeling any pain. So, if you have a 68-pound dog biting a 200-pound guy, and the guy doesn't feel anything, now it's just a it's a wrestling match between someone who's 200 pounds and someone who's 68 pounds. And he just kept going and kept going, and it was. What's funny is we teach, you know, bite and hold, just like, you know, you guys know, bite, hold, come down, oh, you yeah. have your standard, 
standard thing where you come in, you put an L on somebody, you do whatever, depending on the situation. And, you know, person obviously submits. And this was, I'm like standing there, even though it was only a couple seconds, I'm like, of course, this is my first one. So they're going nuts. And he has Hurricane over his shoulder and he's slamming them on the ground. And they, I mean, they are in this all out war between the two of them. And, you know, I always say about Hurricane, he, do, he doesn't know he's protecting. The, the president and his family are right inside there at the theater. Um, you know, Hurricane doesn't know he's at the White House. He doesn't know he's protecting the, the president. He He's protecting me. So, you know, they are just going at it. And it's, you know, it got it got very bad. Some of it's on the news and some of it got, you know, got pulled because of, you know, how intense it got. But, you know, you're I'm watching this. And it's like, you know your dog, and what would he want? Like, a lot of people ask me, why didn't you go in and do something? I'm like, he would have never forgiven me if I did that. I mean, you know, you know when you see your dog going, you know, at it with someone, does does he ever want you to come in and help him out? You know, he wants he wants you to let him do his job and protect you. So. You know, I, I was doing like a stutter step, like, should I go in? Should I let him do this? And I let him finish it out. And he eventually pushed the guy all the way back to the fence to the point where the, the guy's uh, you know back hit the fence. And then he went down. And the second he went down and, you know, said, all right, enough. Uh, you know, I, I took Hurricane off. But, you know, people ask all the time, why did I let it go so long? And, you know, if, if you're not a working dog guy, it's hard to explain. But I'm like, does Mike Tyson want you to pull him out of a fight in the second round if he's losing? You know, like he he wants you to let him do his job and and finish, you know, what what he did. But he he took a, a very bad beating. And right after that, um I walk him back to the truck, you know, because the team comes in and they, they handcuff the individual. I took him back to the truck and, you know, his tail's wagging a hundred miles an hour. And he's just oh, looking yeah, he's at me like nuke somebody. Yeah. I, I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah. and, I mean, it's, you know, it's not, it's like when your kid hits a home run, it's like, he's, he looked at me like, he, you know, cause he, again, you know, you guys talk about reward training where every dog is different. Some dog wants a ball. He just, he doesn't want treats. He he wants to know that he did a good job for me, whether it's a scenario in the yard or a scenario on the North Gowns of the White House. So he's just he's staring at me like, hey, did I I did good, right? You know, it was just I don't want to get too into it, but we definitely had a moment where it was like, you know, because I've never seen that mm-hmm. happen before, and I've never I've never actually that was the first time I ever deployed them, and uh. Yeah, we definitely had a moment, and you know, he's just staring at me like, "Hey, that was that was crazy, right?" You know, it's almost like you're talking to your dog, but you're not actually speaking to him. But you know, yeah. he's after like, Did that, you see that shit? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was like, "Hey, that's not what we trained for every day for the last few years." Like, you know, that was nuts. But um, mm-hmm. you know, every, everything changed after that. You know, that was a very obviously very special moment between a you know a handler and, and his canine to to witness that and he was um yeah i mean he did a great job and from there you know they had us uh you know very next morning 
at headquarters in the director's office. Uh, and then it just kind of, it kind of went from there on, you know, you know, thank, thank your dog, you know, like, you know, I know he doesn't realize what he just did, but that was, that was a big thing in the history of our agency. And, you know, we'll, we'll never forget, you know, what he did because you, you think about that person and if he's willing to manhandle a dog that, you know, that, that's biting him like that and able to, to go through that. I mean, I can't, obviously a person or even me, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to stop that guy without him like that. So, you know, he, he did his job and he, he did his thing and it's been, you know, from there, everyone. And it kind of underlines why they're there in the first place. Cause that could have very easily turned into that guy being shot on national news and, I mean, it kind of underscores a lot of why, especially with everything going on right now. Because um, everyone, you know, canine is in the spotlight, like, you know, because they think all we do is run around and fucking bite fools. And nobody ever talks about the times that they get bit or that people give up from just having the dog out and then nothing happens. Like, they just fucking give up. They're like, oh, okay, never mind. So, you know, I mean, it's a good thing that Hurricane was there. Because, shit, who knows what? I mean, you guys definitely had numbers, but still, I mean, you know, Eric and I both have story after story after story. Eric has one that he's told before of fighting dude on, I don't know what that dude was on, that died from excited delirium. And, I mean, that's like it's a hairy deal, man. I have handlers that have killed people with tasers. And, you know, I mean, it's one of those deals where if they're willing and committed to jump over the fucking fence at the White House... And fight with a dog. I mean, that's committed. <laughs> like they they are committed to doing something. I don't know what, but there that is some commitment for sure. <laughs> yeah, and you know, obviously not to get into too much of use of force and all that stuff, but that that like you said that that would have if Hurricane wasn't there that that you know that could have ended differently. So you know it's. I think that was a good thing that that's how that ended versus, you know, again, I don't know how to spell it out, but the president's family's right inside. You have somebody over the fence. They're obviously looking to fight, looking to do something that that scenario, you know, probably won't end well. And, you know, although it did turn into a fight and the guy did get bit a lot, you know, obviously after that he was, he was okay. And, but yeah, like you said, it could have, I'm trying to uh, not, not get into it too much, but yeah, that could have ended differently if he would have gotten by for the for the other fact that somebody did get inside, and that was only a few weeks ago. So, oh yeah, I mean, it happened while it happened while the president was in a was in a press briefing. So yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. We don't we don't do this stuff for awards or recognition. The dog definitely doesn't know what's going on, but. Um, Hurricane got, you know, some national recognition there. He got, I think they put some medals on him. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, that's that's actually been going on for the last four years, five years now, and it, it's still going on. Um, I've just been so fortunate, you know. Obviously, all the guys make fun of me all the time, and they're like, you got a dog who is already trained, and then you, got, you just happen to be there that yeah. night. Like, you know, I... Hey, I'm not, I'm the first one to be like, yeah, I, I had a great dog. And, and then I, again, I was in the right place at the right time, but 
um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's completely changed my life and, and what has happened. The, the very next day, the director of the Secret Service gave him uh, award for merit. And then after that, uh, I actually went to the Secret Service Christmas party with the director. And I met Secretary Jay Johnson of Homeland Security. And he walked up and stood right next to me. And he was like, hey, you're the handler. Nobody ever knows me. I'm just the handler, which is fine. Exactly. I, I, I want Hurricane. Yeah, it's always Hurricane and Handler. So yes. I'm like, yeah, I don't. I actually prefer that because I didn't. I didn't do anything. So I want him to have all the credit. But he's like, so tell me. You know, he has his whole staff who's trying to rush him through the crowd. You know, it's the Christmas party, the whole deal. And uh, they're like, sir, you know, you need to keep moving. He's like, I want to hear about this dog. And he's like, let him. So. I was totally on the spot. No pressure. Yeah. No pressure. It's a right. fucking already, cabinet member. Who cares? Right. Yeah. Well, I'm already there with, so, um, the director of the secret service at the time, cause it happened before that. He was like, you know, Hey, I, I want to bring you to the Christmas party. You know, obviously we couldn't bring hurricane, but he's like, I think a lot of people there would like to hear about what happened for Homeland security. So of course we get there and we're not there like 10 minutes and the director comes walk or the, um, the secretary comes walking through and he makes his way over and I'm standing right next to the director of secret service and the secretary of Homeland security. I'm like, okay, I hope they don't ask me any questions. And after about 10 seconds, he turned to me, he's like, Oh, is that the handler who had the dog? And I'm like, Oh boy. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he's like, well, why don't you tell me about that? I'm like, okay. So, you know, and I, I went through the story and he goes, um, he goes, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind, but, uh, good job. And then just, you know, moves along through the crowd. And, uh, about a couple months later, they have the annual Homeland Security Awards and they called me and Hurricane there. And I thought we were just going to be doing a, like a photo shoot type thing for, you know, a newsletter or whatever they send out internally. So they have us in the basement and I'm, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, there's a girl, she has the headset, the whole thing, you know, like live TV. And she's like, are you good? And I'm like, yeah, what's, what's going on? You know, cause I'm, I was like, I left my shift early to, to go sit there. And uh, she's like, just hang out for a second. So after about an hour, the, uh, director of the Secret Service comes down. And he's like, "Hey, uh, everything okay?" I'm like, "Yes, sir." You know what? Not exactly sure what's going on. He's like, "Oh, you'll see in a minute." And, I, and then <laughs> talk to him for a little bit, and he leaves. So <laughs> you'll see. I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Okay." So he leaves. Girl comes back. You know, she's got the headset and all the stuff on. She's like, "Follow me." I walk up through the basement. I walk up the steps. And, of course, I find myself, like, on the side of a stage. And uh, I can hear, you know, all these people, a full auditorium packed. And I can hear Secretary of Homeland giving a speech about what happened. And uh, she's like, uh, you, your dog's about to get, you know, the, the Medal of Valor. And I was like, oh, wait, wow. do I have to give a speech? Because I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, no, right. he's giving the speech. All you have to do is walk out there. I'm like, oh, okay, I can do that. So, you know, he finishes his, his whole speech, and we we went out there, and, uh, you know, they did that for, for him, which was amazing. 
And, you know, I, I thought that would be the end of it. And it, it's been going on for a couple of years now. You know, after people saw that, the Animal Medical Center in New York, uh, you know, gave him top dog. They're, they're the definitely the best vet in the U.S. They have a cancer hospital for dogs that would absolutely blow your mind. Um, full skyscraper in New York City. Amazing. Uh, you know, they have a wing just for for cancer, a wing for dental. What, what they do for dogs is like nothing I've ever seen. So we went there, we got that top dog award. And then in October of this year, we got um, London reached out to us and said that they wanted to give uh, Hurricane the PDSA Order of Merit, which is the equivalent of being knighted. Uh, it's never happened wow. for a U.S. dog before. Wow. So, um, yeah, that was... <clears throat> So that was insane. So I'm like, this just, it just keeps going. Um, so we set up with them. They're like, it's going to be a British parliament. It's going to be the order of merit. It's going to be you know a big deal. So I started to prepare for it. I'm like, no, how long is this going to be? And they're like, well, stand by. We're working with some of our partners. So they got U.S. Airways, uh, British Airways, I'm sorry, involved. And British Airways actually sent their whole PR team and they flew from London, landed in Dulles, rented limousines, came, came to my house. I'm like, this is not real life. They came to my house (laughs) with a film crew and their whole PR team picked us up in limousines, uh, brought us back to Dulles airport and British airways. They did a huge thing in the airport, a huge thing before we got on the plane. They had hurricane had his own first class seat. And me and Hurricane were sitting in first class together, and they came over with like a, a thing of champagne for me and a bunch of blankets and dog treats for him. And they flew us back over to London, and we spent the whole week there doing um, all kinds of stuff. And he got his award there. So it's just, you know, how how do I repay this dog for these? I've had these experiences that you know I, I feel like I don't deserve, but. Um, he eats it up. So he, he just wants attention. He wants to be petted. So when I put him in an auditorium with a, a hundred people and he can just run around and be petted, I, I feel like he's happy enough, but yeah, we've had like an absolutely incredible, incredible run. That's, that's wild. So fast forward, uh, he retires, hurricane retires a couple years ago and, and then you, uh, start a pretty sweet foundation, um, the uh, Canine Hurricane Heroes. Uh, let's talk about that. Talk about what you guys do. How do people help you? Um, the people that listen to this podcast are very supportive, and they love this type of stuff. Sure. So we actually just launched two weeks ago. Um, you know, with as you guys know, with working dogs, military, police, wherever, it's very, very uncommon that they get medical care when they retire. And that's not anyone's fault. That's just, you know, PDs, federal agencies, they have budgets. And, you know, it's you want to get as many dogs as you can and build up your dog program. And I, I completely understand that. And, it, you know, it's very common that once a dog retire there is no medical care for them. And that falls on the handler, which 
depending on the handler situation isn't a big deal but if the if the handler is in a in a bad situation there is no stop gap or solution for that dog and um when i was with the secret service we had we had one of our dogs got got sick you know he got he got cancer and you know it's especially if you think about a government agency it's american taxpayer dollars you can't just treat every dog that retires so uh, we started to go fund me for that dog and then we started doing that you know it, it's different based on your situation if you can afford it financially it's not a big deal but if you if your dog gets cancer and he retires and they the vet says to you hey it's ten fifteen thousand dollars to treat this dog and if we don't treat him he'll live a month and if we do treat him he might live a year you know depending on someone's situation they might not be able to you know like i have a bunch of kids in college or whatever's going on i can't pay fifteen thousand dollars to extend this dog's year uh send this dog's life a year so you know we the most of the dogs we get are a year old and they work all they work 90 percent of their lives so we don't want to short them those that last year so we were doing it as a team internally and when hurricane got his uh, top dog at animal medical center they granted him free vet care for life and right after that happened you know that almost guilt set in that wow why does now my dog gets free care for life but and and none of my best friends and the dogs i've worked with the last several years don't get care so right then i knew you know like i have to use this for for good you know we're doing talk shows interviews but he was always getting awards and they were usually from charity so i couldn't start a charity that conflicted with a charity that was giving him an award so I kept putting on hold and kept putting it on hold and all the way up till, uh, like I said, October when he went over the PDSA They're you know, they're the biggest, uh, animal charity in all of UK. So, you know, same thing. I don't want to do anything to conflict what they're doing because they're recognizing him and doing all these great things for him. So after that one, that's when I was, you know, cause he's getting older too. He's 11. So, Right. He's over 11, so he's about 80 years old. So that's when I was like, all right, no, we got to put the awards thing on hold and we need to do something to make sure his name lives on. So we started Hurricanes Heroes, and that will be for, you know, basically police and military dogs who retire that don't get coverage that the handler can't cover. So we'll do that in the forms of grants, you know, we're only two weeks going, so you know you can't exactly say what you can do and what you can't do because you don't know. Are you going to raise a thousand dollars? Are you going to raise a hundred thousand dollars? You got to be very careful with. Oh, we're going to do X, Y, Z. You know, you have to see where you where you fall and know what what your capabilities will be. So we we did launch uh, last week, and uh, right away. Uh, we were fortunate enough that uh, Emily Campagno from Fox News, we were able to connect with her, and she did a spot for us right on the Fox 5. And, man, we got overwhelmed with donations, and it was 
it was amazing. And that was our first day. So we're super, super thankful uh, for her for doing that. So that was, that made our launch right away, you know, uh, more than we could ever imagine or ask for. So now we're, you know, we're figuring out how this is going to go, where we're going to do our grants, who, who we're going to give them to. And we're, you know, exploring all those avenues, but, you know, having been in that situation, all my friends in that situation, I don't think guys need to be creating GoFundMe pages, you know, every time a dog who's worked 10 years gets sick to make sure that dog can have, you know, another year or two of enjoyment. Because you guys know, you know, working dog, your your whole life is work. So, oh yeah, I, I, yeah, you want to, no different than a person, you want to experience, you know, a year, two years, three years of just being a dog. So we want to make sure that we can give that to them. So that's why, that's why we started up Hurricanes Heroes. And it's been, you know, it's only been a week and a half, two weeks, but it's been amazing so far. So we're super happy about that. Yeah. So where can we find that? Um, and we're going to put this in the show notes um, for everybody too. So <clears throat> when it uploads, it'll kick out and they'll see it on the show notes and uh, iTunes and Google play, but it's uh, what's the website address. So the website is caninehurricanesheroes.org. And then letter K, letter uh, K number nine, right? Yep. Letter K number nine. And then uh, hurricanesheroes.org. And then same thing. It's on uh, canine hurricane at Facebook and Instagram. But we do, you know, we're a federally recognized nonprofit 501c3. Um, we were able to get, you know, basically every certification certification that we need, um, you know, all, all volunteer, no paid employees. So, you know, we just want to make sure as much money as possible gets to the dogs so we can, you know, care for them. And we're working, we're working with a ton of people already. It, I wasn't expecting it to, to come on so quick, so fast, but we're, a lot of people are reaching out and trying to get involved and we're trying to pair with certain other charities, certain vets, other, other companies, um, I even saw a lot of guys that uh, that you guys work with as sponsors. Um, we've crossed paths with some of them. A lot. I know. I know Ray Allen is one of the sponsors. Hurricanes had Ray Allen uh, harness, canine, lead. You know everything since the beginning. Um, yeah, we're we're reaching out to everyone now. We're trying to work on some different projects with with different people and just trying to make it as big as we can make it. You know, there's there's no ceiling to it. So the, the more money we can raise, the, the more dogs we can help. You know, we want to start with uh, secret service dogs and obviously some mill dogs in the area. And if we can keep branching out and get bigger and bigger, we'll, we'll keep going from there. Awesome. So what does, uh, what a hurricane's days consist of right now? <laughs> so now, I mean, we actually travel a, a lot. He's in, full retirement mode which is again you know a reason why i started the charity when i you know when when i had him as a working dog i know people don't like to hear this you know i didn't pet him all the time i didn't give him treat you know he was he was a partner he wasn't a pet so our relationship was extremely professional you know because same you know same thing you, you let the dog sleep on your bed and give him treats all the time good luck getting him to work in the morning so you know, we were very professional about our relationship. Where now, 
you know, it's awesome that he gets to be, you know, you know, man's best friend. You know, we get to do all these things together that we didn't do. And now we're traveling the country, even traveling the globe. Uh, our average day, you know, I, I take him on a hike. He's obviously older, so he can't go. I have to go like crazy early in the morning, uh, especially being all black. Uh, his right. coat turns into like a stovetop uh, if the sun's out. So I have to do things early with him, but uh, he loves to swim, loves to hike, and he just he just loves attention and loves to be pet. And that's probably because you know of, of how his life was up till now, being so you know working dog related, not being able to be pet and, and do all these things. So it's just fun for me to see him enjoy retired life because. I mean, what he's done for me and the experiences I've had have been amazing. You know, we, we got to go to London. I invited my whole family, my friends. You know, it was it was the best week of my life. You know, and it's I have to keep remembering, like, this is for him. But, you know, it's so hard. It's like, look at all these crazy experiences we're having. But this is all what he created. So I try and do as much for him, make sure he has as much fun as he can, take him on his hike, take him swimming, you know, do whatever I can for him. And I mean, I, I think he's pretty happy, but that's, like I said, that was the whole point of the, the charity and the foundation, because you don't, you don't ever want a working dog to be in a situation where they have something happen. They have to retire. And based on the handler's financial situation, he just can't, he can't cover those bills. And, you know, we don't want any of the dogs to get shorted those, you know, those special years at the end. One of the first several dogs I ever trained in law enforcement work um, died yesterday um, from cancer. And he uh, is a department that I love. I love his handler. Um, I love her husband, who was his original handler. Um, they have other dogs from us. And, um, you know, he was a special dog just because he was such an angry shithead all the time. But he, uh, he was, he was definitely, he worked his entire life. Um, and he didn't, he didn't retire. Uh, he wouldn't have liked to retire anyway, cause he's an asshole. But, um, so, you know, but it, it is definitely like, I, I, we got the news today, like actually before we started recording, um, you know, we found out that, and they had cancer removed, three weeks ago and they're like, you know, it's going to come back because of the type it was and sure shit, it came back. And I mean, they were like, man, there's nothing we can do. And so we got the call today that, uh, the dog was, uh, euthanized and I mean, they're doing the full thing. And then we've had I don't know, like three other dogs die this year too, um, for dogs that Torchlight has trained. And, you know, some of them, uh, were able to be retired. Uh, in fact, the same department had a dog that was retired, who was a big ass angry German Shepherd and he was a dick, but he got to retire and he got to hang out and do dog things. So, you know, that's important. And, um, it's something that we all like, you know, I mean, I, I joke all the time, but I'm like, I'm like, Oh, it's their dogs. Like, you know, they do dog things, but, um, it, I always, it's extremely satisfying to see a dog do their entire career doing what they what we train them to do, right. Find shit and bite people. And then get to fucking be a dog, sit on the couch, eat food they're not supposed to, <laughs> like <laughs> you know, yeah. be a dog. So yeah, yeah, it's extremely important. And you know, 
I want to make sure. So, and like I said, everybody, we're going to put that in the show notes. Um, so, and I think our social media guy will probably do some uh, cross promotional stuff for you. So, Marshall, this has been an, an awesome episode. Um, it's been one that we wanted to tick off the list for um, quite a while. And I'm super happy that you were able to come on for sure. Yeah, this, is, this has been great. Thanks so much for having me. Like I said, if any opportunity to talk about my dog, I mean, who, what handler wouldn't want to do that? So, exactly. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Yep, for sure. We'll see you soon, guys. All right. Our oldest sponsor, our first sponsor, and our good friend, and a great dude all around, Arno at ALM Canine Equipment. Uh, his suits and his canine tugs and bite sleeves are some of the best in the industry. His, dude, I have a whole array of different uh, hidden sleeves from him of all various levels of dogs. Uh, he has a discount code for us, which is amazing, WD Radio for 10% off your first order. ALMK9Equipment.com. Give, give him a shout, man. Arno is a good guy with great quality equipment. ALMK9Equipment.com. One of the original three... Sponsors that have been with us from the beginning is Tripwire Operations Group, LLC. They're an internationally recognized leading provider of products, services, and training for federal, state, local, and law enforcement agencies and military units. They are ATF licensed for explosive material manufacturer, importer, exporter, and dealer with a wide range of explosive products to offer, including custom kits. These kits are great for detection canine imprinting, and they have three different kits to choose from. These three kits combined create the complete picture for the explosive threats of canines. Be sure to check them out, tripwireops.org. The music in this episode is used with permission by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at Brother Deeg, that's spelled D-E-G-E dot net. Be sure to check him out there or on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby, or anywhere you stream media. This episode has been edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt. Visit our other sites at patreon.com, look for Working Dog Radio, hrdpolicecanine.com, and look for the nearest seminar near you. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.